Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is Chief Marketing Officer of Fit Body App, Leah Haberman. Leah has spent years in business and brand development, holding notable roles such as Editorial Director at eNetworks, VP of Content at LiveStrong, and Executive Director of Editorial at Beachbody. And now, Leah leads marketing efforts for FitBody App and teaches social media and influencer marketing at UCLA, inspiring the next generation of marketers. Welcome, Leah. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All the things I like to talk about. Always, always. Absolutely. So I guess with that said, let's kind of go ahead and dive in. Can you share with us a little background on yourself and what got you started? Yeah, sure. Um, So, okay, as you mentioned, I'm CMO at Fitbody. Um, I've always worked in, I would say, entertainment, media, tech. Um, I think, you know, sometimes I went to a job interview once and they were asking, like, can you connect the dots? Because I went from working at E, I worked at Yahoo in their entertainment department. I worked for Dick Clark Productions. Um, So very much of an entertainment background in sort of, I would say, content and social media and then into fitness. Um, I think the way that I've looked at it is just I'm always interested in how you connect with audiences or whether you call it like audiences, followers, customers, app users, subscribers. Um, And so I think I've just followed who was doing like which industry was doing innovative stuff or interesting stuff um, in connecting with people. And I think I loved being in entertainment. And then I think, you know, with entertainment, you have obviously like the traditional talent, artists, actors, um, singers, uh, you know, the it's kind of the talent is like a set pool of talent. I went into fitness because I saw that people were doing really interesting things. And that was a space in which influencers were very much emerging. And I thought it was a really interesting transition coming from like content, then to social, then looking at influencer marketing and the creator economy. And um, not that entertainment, I think entertainment is catching up. And, you know, obviously with Netflix and streaming, we, we are seeing kind of more interesting developments in the entertainment field. But there was just kind of a period there where you kind of felt like, okay, like we've got the networks, the studios, the labels, the talent, things aren't changing that much. And I just saw in fitness, I saw, you know, influencers, I saw how people were connecting and building audiences and communities. And I thought that was really interesting. So I followed that. Um, And so I think to me, it's like less about being industry specific and more about, okay, who are the people that are doing interesting things? And what are the the interesting technologies to follow? Um, so anyways, long story short, entertainment to fitness, always with an interest in, you know, how do you connect and communicate with people? Um, I also write a newsletter every week called In Case You Missed It. Uh, it started out as, you mentioned I teach for UCLA, it started out as a newsletter just for students to kind of keep them up to date and all the things that were happening. Um, somebody else, a consulting client asked if they could have the newsletter as well. So I said, yes. And then it just kind of uh, snowballed from there. And so now it's just open to everyone. Um, and again, it's helping other people understand the transitions and the the changes and the trends that we're all seeing and the things to be aware of. That's fantastic. And I think if I try to find, I'm now I'm trying to connect the dots too, trying to find this like common thread in your professional career of going from entertainment over to fitness. You're touching upon it, but I think it's incredibly important that we're chatting about this too, is that the notion of creating these communities that connect people together. And 
I think about too about how social media has impacted the the community building space. We had this big conglomerate of like Facebook groups became the main thing. My goodness, I'm still in Facebook groups right now. Like it was so impressive how we can leverage technology as a be- as a means to be able to connect the masses and get them interested in speaking about the same things that they that they like and that they are passionate about. And then you layer on more of like the celebrity style influencer. And I'm sure that you and I, you probably have a lot of different perspectives on what that looks like. But the fact that we're not only are we able to bring these people together, but we're also able to inspire them by a person, by a, a mission, a vision, the values of an individual to really create this more of like family online. It's, just, it's a fascinating topic. And I think that there's certainly a common thread in your in your professional career of just being a people person, right? Being a people connector, trying to, to give something and bring people into this group so that way they don't feel as lonely. Is that is that right? Yeah. Is that right to say? I, I would absolutely. Like, I don't look at it as, I would say I started my career as a journalist and now I'm in my career as a marketer, but I don't consider myself a journalist. I don't consider myself a marketer. I consider myself somebody who connects groups and people um, and communicates information that is either really useful and valuable for people to have, like my students at UCLA or the people who read me my newsletter, um, or who connect them to, you know, things that they're interested in, like FitBody app and like, how are we talking to our community and how are we making sure that like we're serving them in the best way possible? We do have a Facebook group um, for the app and it's super active and probably one of our most, we have a lot of people on Instagram and, you know, post around our hashtag on Instagram. Um, but I would say arguably the Facebook group might be even more active. Um, and then the Facebook group is official. They actually, the people within the group spun off their own discord as well. Um, which is also really cool when you're, you know, the community you're trying to build, ultimately it kind of takes off and starts fueling itself. Um, and connecting in their own ways in different ways that you could never even anticipate. Um, so that that made me really happy too. Oh, that's so exciting. You're exactly right. And I definitely want to be able to touch upon that here in just a second too. And I, I think one thing that I'm curious about, you know, especially given your expertise and how much you've seen the industry, how much you've seen social media evolve over time. Um, just like a quick side question, because I'm curious, you know, the digital world, social media is constant, right? It's 24 seven. So being an executive and having so many different types of leadership roles over the time, how have you maintained a balance? How do you maintain a balance of being in the digital world, both personally, professionally, then work and life, you know, what does that look like for you? And how would you encourage others? That's a great question. I, I recently gave a talk to a group at um, Maverick, which is an influencer marketing agency. Um, and it was kind of a group of like people, uh, you know, starting out in their careers. And it was to talk about like, leadership and, and work life balance. And my initial thing, um, was to say, you know, I think when you're starting out in your career um, to establish boundaries, I'm, I'm kind of anti-hustle culture. Um, it horrifies me when I see those tweets of people who are like, work really hard in your 20s and then you'll set yourself up for life, um, which I think is a lot of times those tweets are written by people in their 20s who don't necessarily have the perspective like on the other side of like, hey, when you get to the executive level, um, maybe that's not the best advice. I do have to say, um, I started looking back and thinking about like my 20s and how much I worked or what kind of like, you know, what I was doing in my 20s. And I did work really hard. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of, I'm contradicting myself here where I'm against hustle culture. Um, and I think that it's really important to kind of live life and like 
enjoy time with friends and go out to eat or cook with friends and go see movies and like go traveling and do things. Um, at the same time, you have to be realistic. Uh, and, and this was kind of what I, it was almost like a journey for myself. And when I was speaking to this group, I was like, listen, like there's what I, there's what I did and there's what I say now. Um, in looking back, I worked really hard in my 20s. I did work sometimes on the weekend. I did work at night. I did have like side hustles and projects. However, a lot of the time, like all of that extra work was to fund the things like going to Paris, going to London, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like um, living in certain places that like I, I lived close to the beach and that was like very expensive. And if you don't come from money, you do have to work hard to be able to get those things. So I think my advice would be, and I hope this isn't too contradictory, but it's my advice is work hard if there are things specifically that you want in your 20s, like life things that you're going to remember, like core memories, trips, experiences, things with like friends and family. Work hard so you can fund those things. Um, but it's not just all about work. And I think anybody who says you work really hard in your 20s so you can coast the rest of your life. I mean, I'll be totally blunt right now. I'm in my 40s. You don't coast in your 40s. Like, it's not like there's a magic corner you turn. You work really hard in your 20s and then, like, you're set for life. You know, unless maybe you're a founder of, like, a billion-dollar company, maybe. But I think even then you see those people, like, those people are working for 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s even. There is no magic switch. So I think it's just know that life is long. You're going to be working hard. Hopefully you find something you enjoy doing. Um, but to me, if I had advice to give, I would just say like, enjoy your twenties and use it for more life experiences, because I think you have plenty, your career has a long runway. And so you have plenty of time, um, to be kind of getting ahead. Uh, and I would say, really, I would think I probably the work that I did in my 30s and 40s was a lot more fundamental in like helping me advance and get ahead. Whereas the work in my 20s was really just about making sure that I could enjoy life in the way that I wanted to at that time. I think this is fantastic because I'm also reflecting into your professional work of uh, working with influencers, right? And to me, I try to figure out what's the definition of being an influencer. And what makes somebody influential? What makes something influential? What makes a community influenced by somebody or some event or some person? And you're talking about the realness of life, right? Being authentic, enjoying in the moments that come about and going into more of like the influencer marketing space. For me, like my perspectives of being part of a community or being a micro community or being a fan of someone or something is that I'm able to latch on some sort of like moment or event or experience or situation that that person is going for, right? Or that person is experiencing. And that could also then translate over into like creating more of like those viral moments in some way, some form or fashion. I'm hoping that you're kind of like seeing like the thread that I'm trying to go towards here. And I think it's, I think it would be really interesting to hear a perspective of how do you create these like influential, those viral moments with your fan base, whether you're the brand, whether you're the influencer? How do you think about that? So I would say I think about it in being obsessively aware. And uh, I think just to clarify, so I, I work in influencer marketing and the creator economy. I also work for an influencer that I had hired previously for campaigns. Um, she then hired me to be chief marketing officer for her fitness app. Um, so I think both of us, and this was, you know, we'd always kind of gotten along really well and just felt like we had very similar um, attitudes and opinions on things. And I think we're 
both obsessively focused on listening um, to what her community wants. And I think, but I mean, both of us joke about it. Like we would both be customer service rep, like in another lifetime, if we were doing something else, both of us have talked about, like, we love customer service and we love listening to people. So I think, you know, the idea of creating viral moments or like, I know it's a little cheesy to say like surprise and delight, but like, that's going to be different for every community, every brand, every influencer um, to create those like special moments. Um, but I think it's about being like obsessively plugged into your community and listening to what people are saying so that you understand like what is magical uh, for them. What is the thing that's going to make people, um, you know, buy into and kind of like really want to be on board with everybody else. There's a great book called The Power of Moments um, that essentially talks about this, like there are different times in people's lives and, it, and, and kind of like along the path of like their careers, for example, when people are really primed and receptive to be able to, um, latch onto something and it's going to create like a, a, a life defining or life changing moment for them. Um, and I think it's just being acutely aware of like what those times are. And like, if you're a brand or you're an influencer slash entrepreneur, it's like, I can't tell you what your community's, uh, you know, pivotal moment or kind of like viral moment is going to be. Um, but you should have a really good idea of like, what would be the thing that would, you know, blow somebody's mind. Um, for us, for example, one of the things that we do is we try and include the community, um, or, you know, members of our community in different things. So for example, you know, we're a fitness app, so we have a lot of fitness content. We shoot a lot of fitness content. Um, some of our, our fitness, our programs include people within the community. So like we invite them out, they come out, they stay for a week, they shoot a, you know, they they shoot as part of the program. And then they're kind of like, they're, they become part of the brand to see themselves reflected. You know, it's like the community sees itself reflected back at themselves. Um, and obviously we can't have everybody. So it's kind of like a, I would say like a special thing to get you know, chosen to come out and do this and shoot with us and be part of the program. Um, but it's going to be different for everybody. And I think it's just being aware of like, what is going to be that thing, you know, for your brand or for your community. Um, and I'll just finish that up with, I don't know if you remember, uh, Audi did something where I think it was on one of the game shows, um, I don't know if it was Price is Right or one of those kind of like old school game shows recently had a moment where somebody was going to win a car and they ultimately, they got the answer wrong or like they misspelled the the clue by like one letter or something. Um, and Audi was doing social listening and saw that they were all of a sudden being tagged in all these posts of this person like missing winning a car by like one tiny thing. Um, and so Audi, and I actually talked to uh, the person that kind of ran this campaign. And it was amazing. Like they, they saw that they were being tagged. They had kind of assessed the situation. They escalated up the flagpole. Um, they got within 24 hours leadership to agree to turn around and gift this person a car and reach out as like Audi the brand and be like, Hey, we're, you know, we know you didn't win the game show, but we want to like, thank you for being a supporter. And, you know, like we applaud your efforts and, and gifting a car, which is amazing. Um, first of all, I commend them for being able to like do that and turn that around. You know how hard it is to get something like through all the red tape and approvals within 24 hours. It was an amazing story. And I've told certain people and some people are like, oh, but 
you know, that's great, but like, we can't give away a car. And I'm like, it's okay. It's not the point of giving away the car. Like the car is amazing and who doesn't want a free car, but it's not the point of giving away a car. It's the point of like, Audi was listening and like, was able to like assess and react to the situation and create this amazing opportunity, like on a dime. Um, and that's kind of what we should all be aiming for. Not the fact that like, yes, it, you know, giving away a car is a way to like, get a lot of goodwill in the community, but that's not really the point of the story. Um, anyways, I, that was just an example that I loved. I love that. You're also talking to, to an Audi lover and Audi fan at heart. Um, I wish I had noticed that because, you know, something that I'm wondering too is, is it that it's not about creating those moments for yourself, for your brand, but it's about latching on to those moments that already have such a meaningful impact or connection to your audience. Is, is that kind of something? What, yes. what would you say about that? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And I think I probably should have started with that is that like so often as marketers or people working at brands, we have an idea of what we think is going to be special or what is going to create a viral moment. And it's really about the viral moment is kind of like they're incubating within the community. And it's like, it's our job just to kind of like enable that. Um, another great example, like you mentioned, and I thought of this recently, the whole minions and the suit thing, like all of the, those, the teenage uh, people that are like wearing suits to go watch the new Minions movie, that wasn't the studio. Like the studio had done all of these other cool activations and gifts and things and whatever, and, you know, like the movie would have done okay and would have opened okay. And people were kind of like aware of it because it is a large release, but it was the community and like TikTokers that said, we're going to create our own thing. And so it's kind of, you know, again, it's like, as marketers, we think we have great ideas and we think, you know, and we do, and it's not to like dim diminish anybody's ideas or, you know, like the campaigns can be great, but so often there are these like amazing, powerful, viral, uh, like once in a lifetime opportunities that are out there within your community. And it's a matter of, again, like listening, obsessively listening to what people are talking about, how they're using their, your product, what makes them happy, what problems they're solving or, you know, you can solve for them. Um, and so it's just a matter of like listening to what is being, to what is out there and then jumping on it and being able to respond quickly enough. You're exactly right. And something that I'm also now thinking about too, that I'd love to get your perspective on is, you know, along the same lines of active listening, there's now technology now that is a, that has enabled us and has empowered us to be able to be more active listeners, to better understand what types of conversations are taking place within our brand, within our micro community. And with these growth drivers in place, like how in your perspective has technology changed and where do you envision it to go into the future as it relates to the broader creator economy, to influencer marketing, honestly, even to just brand development itself? <laughs> that's, that's, a huge, um, that's a huge question. And I think there's like a lot of different parts to that question. Um, I mean, essentially, the creator economy is the creation of all of these tools to try and empower you know, create, whether it's creators or influencers um, to be able to run their own businesses. So there's kind of like that component to it of like, there's never been as many tools to be able to in, like empower and enable people to run their own businesses. Um, you've got tools, you know, you and I have talked previously about like um, Apple Fitness and how we fit in, like looking at that, you know, being in the fitness industry and looking at that and thinking about, okay, how are we going to fit in there? Like where, where is our place in that? If, 
um, you know, Apple has their own kind of fitness platform. If, you know, Google or Amazon ever kind of came out, actually Amazon does have like uh, Amazon Prime Video, you know, they do have their own fitness platform. It's thinking about those things. And I think they reach such scale. Uh, what I'm kind of hopeful, and I, I think it's something that we've kind of seen is that you see, um, we're more of like a, I would call us a bespoke app, um, as opposed to something that's kind of like more of a, like a large scale mainstream solution. Um, and it's the same way that I think about virtual influencers or like virtual creators. Um, you look at people like Lil Michaela or anybody that's like one of these, like a digital influencer and thinking about, okay, does that mean there's no more room for real influencers or creators? Um, you know, we just saw Cosmo just had the first AI designed, um, magazine cover. And it's like, oh, okay, is there no more room for artists? Because they had this like amazing cover that was like uh, an astronaut, like a female astronaut. And it was like super cool. The way that I'm thinking about it and, you know, hoping obviously that this kind of proves out to be right, but it's like, I think we're going to see like a, a, a differentiation between things that are, you know, at scale, um, you know, virtually or, or virtual or digital led, like a digital influencer versus like, that's almost going to give um, more of a kind of like bespoke um, advantage to real influencers, real artists, real creators, real magazine designers. And we're going to start to see like a distinction between like, okay, this was created by AI and this was created by a human. And the fact that it was created by a human and there's you know, our, our hours in the day are infinitely more limited and what we're able to do in a day is more limited. So to me, that puts more of a premium on real creators, on real artists, on real influencers um, versus the stuff that's going to be like deployed at, you know, uh, an influencer who's talking to millions of people at once and having simultaneous conversations. Um, a little bit like, did, I know this is kind of like an old school movie, but Her, did you ever see the movie Her, where the guy falls in love with, yeah, so it was kind of like that idea that like at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, I hope I'm not ruining this for anybody, but at the end of the movie, he figures out that she's having like this concurrent conversation with two million people. And he's so upset and that it wasn't like special between himself and the, this, um, I think it was an AI kind of like, um, I don't remember the specifics, but I just remember the disappointment he felt that he was having a conversation that she was replicating with millions of other people. And he kind of shuts down his computer and like goes, goes upstairs to see his neighbor, like in real life. And they have this connect, they have this moment. And I kind of feel like that's where we're headed, where it's not going to be disappointing. There's going to be a value and a, a need for things that are like virtual or AI. And then there's going to be a need for things that are very much um, like handcrafted artisan kind of real life creations and real life people. So that's my, that's my optimistic interpretation, kind of the direction that we're going in. I love it. And it's incredibly real and authentic. And I think it actually comes full circle to a couple of points that we were just talking about, right? When you personally are trying to engage in work-life balance, you're doing things so that way you can have more of those real authentic moments outside of work. Um, when we're thinking about from a brand perspective, how to create those viral moments, it's about making those human connections. Those human connections are so irreplaceable. And I think that's also, correct me if I'm wrong too, like some, those are really one of the most important drivers as to why influencer marketing is so important. Um, I think they say right now that businesses 
are making about $6 ROI for every $1 spent on influencer marketing. That's huge in my perspective, I think. I mean, it's very exciting to me. So anything else that you think, like what are the biggest drivers behind that? Okay, so I would say, and I've seen that, that kind of like data point has been floating around now for for a little while. Um, And I do think that influencers are incredibly effective. I would say for anybody that's not yet in, you know, using influencers or creators, doesn't have an influencer marketing program, I think you need to think about like defining what is that, you know, what do we mean by ROI? Um, And not like, what does the acronym stand for? But is it in um, like earned media? Is it in paid media? Is it um, like, what is it that we're referring to? Because I think one of the things that I've been doing in the influencer space for a while now, um, and sometimes brands can be disappointed by the lack of conversions, for example. Um, you know, we didn't move this many units or this many, didn't sell this many subscriptions, for example. Um, and I think it's really being aware of like how influencers fit or creators fit in the mix. Um, a lot of them are really top of funnel. It's very much like a top of funnel story. Um, some, and I think you have to experiment. And I, you know, worked on different campaigns um, where we've used influencers for different purposes. Um, and sometimes there was kind of like a, uh, the goal was conversion. We were specifically trying to sell uh, something through creators. And we had 13 different influencers working on this program. And there was one person who like above and beyond blew everyone else away and was able to actually help us drive sales um, versus like amazing, you know, reach is great. Impressions are great. Mentions are great. All of that stuff is great. But for this one campaign, campaign, we were specifically focused on sales. Um, and so it was, it was like, to me, really interesting that like you had 13 people who all had similar large audiences, but one was specifically really great at driving sales. And so, you know, we kind of pivoted and invested more in that relationship, um, versus, you know, some of the other people. And it was like, okay, they're going to be great for other things that we think are important, like introducing something new and just kind of like raising general brand awareness or like, you know, alignment and positive sentiment. And then you like, it's just, it's not a magic solution. I think that's kind of like my point is like, you have to be aware of like where they can help along the journey and, you know, how everyone's going to be different. And it's not, um, you can't look at it like, okay, should I put my money into like Facebook ads or should I put my money into influencers? Um, It's not like an apples to apples comparison. And I think that that's just really important to be aware of that. And that's where sometimes there's a disconnect or a disappointment that like, oh, we didn't see the results we expected. And it's like, okay, well, you need to be aware of like what influencers can actually do for you. And I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong too, but I feel like it's because marketing has changed so much over the past couple of years. I mean, honestly, probably because it could have been because of, of technology. My goodness, I know that 10, 15 years ago, ROA was about Facebook ads, right? It was, that was the main solution of being able to drive more leads into the business. And now influencer marketing has come to play. Now you've got the creator economy. Like, there's so many different elements and this is so important. I've never heard this, but like, you're right. It's not apples to apples anymore. So what would you say has changed the most? Like how are people viewing it nowadays or even better yet, how would you encourage them to view it now? Yeah. And 
I mean, like you said, there was that one point where um, it was kind of like almost the arbitrage model of like, you could just dump a bunch of money into Facebook ads. And I think like 2016 to 2017, and I knew it, like I was working in that era and I was like, this is a golden age. Like the crazy audience targeting that you could do and the, um, you know, just like the return on investment that you could see when it was kind of, but it was founded on these things that weren't necessarily, you know, obviously like the whole data uh, and privacy, like, right, things that later on we realized like, hey, this is not actually great for humanity as good as it was for, you know, whatever you were trying to do as a marketer. Um, I think it's really, it's kind of, it's changing and it's changing from, you know, the old school madmen like advertising model. Um, and, you know, that was like a one to many. Um, and then now I think it's much more of a conversation. There's a, um, there's a, uh, there was a survey that was like 47% of people think that what a brand says in its um, DMs, replies to social comments, um, its social captions is more important than what like any official brand message that a brand puts out. So I think it's really important to look at that and think like consumers are finding you and, and engaging with you and interacting with you on these like little micro level moments. And so every little tiny, you know, piece of messaging um, is like critical and it's critical to get right and kind of have a playbook to make sure that you are, you talked earlier about like values and how the brand wants to be represented. And, you know, it's, it's essentially like the brand personality and the life of the brand. And so like, think about that, that like almost 50% of people are going to ignore your like cleverly, cleverly crafted, um, really polished, slick, amazing brand message that you've paid, you know, tons of money to create. And they're going to look at what is the reply that you left on their friend's you know, comment or complaint on the, on an Instagram post or something like that. What, how did you DM them when, when they DM'd you and asked you for like a follow-up question, like, how did you reply to them? And those little tiny micro moments are going to be the things that people latch onto and remember. And like, that's, what's going to convince them. Um, so I think it's just thinking about, it really is. And, and I think we're at like a critical shift in, um, you know, people coming from like more of an old school, like one to many message, like this is our brand message, we put it out. And then like, we walk away and we're done. And you know, like, please just buy our product. Um, and to thinking now about like these like little tiny engagements are the things that are gonna, gonna make the difference between whether or not somebody becomes a customer or like a loyal member of your community, or they don't and they go looking for somebody else that can like connect with them in a way that they want to be connected with. Oh, you're exactly right. And I think that we're in now an interesting time too, because we're really living at the intersections of the digital and physical world. And in your line of work, it's about being able to leverage technology, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's, it's about leveraging technology again to be able to connect the communities and connect people back into the real world, would you say? Um, yes. And I think we're only going to see that more with uh, the metaverse whatever, you know, right now, kind of the interpretation of like what the metaverse is going to be is really open um, uh, or up for debate and kind of like being shaped. Like you said, we're a little bit of an, an intersection of like between the digital and the physical. I think the metaverse is going to meld all of these things. And like you said, leveraging technology, but you're also going to be part of 
like there is a like in real life element to the metaverse in terms of like what is going to be the wearable or like how do we connect to the metaverse how do we are we wearing haptic suits um you know are we actually like moving around in real life but within the metaverse um yeah i i like i don't have any answers there but i'm like i'm kind of excited and looking forward to what it's going to be um I, uh, like when I think the first person marshmallow was the first person that did a concert within Fortnite, like five years ago. Um, and I remember I stayed up, I have a, I have a young son and I, we stayed up till 11 o'clock at night to watch marshmallow have this live concert within Fortnite. And it was like the most excited, like I just, I hadn't felt that level of excitement for something that was like technology in a long time. And I just feel like, um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I know some people are like, how's it going to work? And, you know, where, where do we fit in? Um, but just that level of like real life connection through technology um, and feeling like you were there with a group of people, even though you were standing alone in your living room, it was just, it was like electric. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pro metaverse. <laughs> I am too. I'm very curious. I'm very excited. And speaking of the future, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from yourself and FitBody? Yes. Unfortunately, nothing I can talk about right now. We have like a really exciting, uh, huge partnership coming up. Um, we also have some really exciting stuff that the community has been asking for that we want to give them, but I just can't. Um, we're like right on the cusp of announcing a bunch of stuff. So unfortunately, I can't talk about that. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for work. I'm excited for, I'm teaching a class this fall at UCLA called the business of being an influencer. Um, and it's looking at it more from a business perspective, not, you know, how to shoot a reels, but like thinking about like financial literacy, thinking about contracts, thinking about yourself as an entrepreneur. Um, and so I love all of that stuff. And I, I think, you know, that's also why, um, I connected with the person who's my current boss at FitBody app, who's an influencer, but she's also an entrepreneur and a businesswoman. And I just, I love that side of it. I think it's so empowering and it's so empowering to think of, you know, influencers being more than just somebody that's like promoting a product, um, but also actively like building their own businesses. So. Oh, that's exciting. Well, I'm definitely at the edge of my seat trying to figure out what's going to be coming up next, but I will certainly, certainly be staying tuned. So final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? Um, okay. So what would I share? Um, I think, so speaking of kind of the business of being an influencer, um, I think know how, whether you're working at a company right now um, and you're kind of looking to advance in your career or you're thinking about, you know, becoming a professional influencer, um, understand where the money comes from. Somebody told me that once um, and I didn't really get it earlier in my career and I, I, I get it now and I'm really glad that they said that to me. They're, they said like, understand where the money comes from and focus on the money. Um, and so what that means is, you know, sometimes I think especially being a creator or being on social, there are cool things that you can do that are kind of fun. Um, and even at work, like there's parts of your job that you love and then parts that you don't love, but understand how the business makes money, whether you're the business or whether you work at a company, understand how the business makes money. Um, and what are the levers for being able to make more money or make that, that area of the business grow? Um, I think that is really critical and just something that I think when I first started out um, was really more just about like, let's do cool shit. 
And like sometimes doing cool shit is really fun. And it's kind of that that like Facebook idea of like, what is it? Move fast and break things. But like even Facebook doesn't do, they've changed their slogan. It's not move fast and break things anymore. And I think like just we're seeing, you know, like um, the end of kind of like these unicorn companies and like the VC funding and people are like, no, I want to know how your business is going to make money. Um, So I think it's really important to understand how the business makes money. Um, I think be solutions oriented. Um, and I'll give you an example because I feel like that's like a, kind of like a trope or a, a, a thing that so many say people say like be solutions oriented. So I'll give you a specific example. Um, I had a class. I was teaching this uh, custom class um, at UCLA uh, on influencer marketing, and we had a group exercise where everybody was broken into these groups. It was it was through Zoom because it was a um, I don't want to call them out, but it was an international school, so we had to do it through Zoom. They weren't actually here. It was during the pandemic. Everybody went away in their groups for like fifteen to twenty minutes, and then they were supposed to come back. Um, and they had an assignment, and they were each group was supposed to talk about how they had like worked on the assignment. So they came back and I was like, how did it go? Nobody said anything. And then finally one girl said, oh, we couldn't access the material. So we couldn't do the assignment. And I'm like, wait, the entire class could not access the material. And you all sat there for 15 minutes and nobody came out of the Zoom to say like, hey, we can't access the the material to work on. And I was like, this is a really good, um, it was a really good lesson because I was able to say like, if you were at work and your boss gave you something to do and you sat there for 20 minutes or a day or, you know, however long and then came to them when they asked you and said, sorry, I couldn't do it because I couldn't access this, the document or the file or the whatever. I'm like, this just does not fly. Like, I'm like, you need to figure out, like, if you can't do something, you find a way to do it. Come back to me, like, ask me a question. I ended up giving the girl extra credit, the one girl who actually, you know, put her hand up and was like, oh, we were never able to access the material because nobody else wanted to tell me. And I think that they were worried about disappointing me, but I'm like, ultimately, this is a really good lesson in um, taking the initiative and like finding solutions. And so, like, find a way to get it done, even if it means going back to, you know, your boss or an investor or somebody and saying, I don't know how to do this. Like, how can I, I need help. It's okay to ask for help to get to the next level or the next stage, but find solutions. Um, and then I would say like, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but just like, listen, like active listening, um, listen, whether you're listening to your community, whether you're listening to, um, you know, at work, if you're in a meeting, I've been in so many meetings where people will come in and they're very, people love to be heard in meetings. Everybody wants their chance to speak up in a meeting and to be able to like give their, you know, brilliant idea. And that's great. And you should come into a meeting. Um, I'm very much an advocate of like, especially if you're a woman, uh, you know, go in, be loud, talk, let your ideas be heard. But when it's somebody else's turn to talk, listen to what they're saying, because so often you'll hear you know, clues or things about like the way the business is going or potential problems or things that are going to come back later. Um, And I think that's just, I would say listening is as important as, as talking. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you, Leah, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Fitbody app, a fitness and lifestyle app on a mission to help women develop their inner and outer strength. Looking to hear more what's happening in the health, wellness and sports industry, subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on the trip.